Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, before we get into today's show, I've got a bit of an announcement to make. If you're in Sydney, Australia, I'm going to be doing a Christmas show on December 18th at the Glen Street Theatre. So I'd love it if you could come along. I'm going to be reading Nanny Piggins Saves Christmas and the Friday Barnes Christmas Story, the one about the star. You may have heard it. I did it earlier in on the podcast for last Christmas, in fact. So I'm going to be doing a stage show at this theatre. It's a beautiful theatre. So I'm going to announce the whole show and put tickets on sale in about a week for everyone. But I wanted to give you, the podcast listeners, a head start so you can get good seats because they're numbered seats. So if you book now, you can get prime position. So what you need to do is contact the Glen Street Theatre. If you look up their website, you can buy tickets through their website. You just look up their website, Glen Street Theatre, and the What's On page, and I'll be listed there for December 18th. So it'd be fantastic if you come along. Oh, and I forgot to mention, there is a promo code you can use to get $5 off the ticket price. And that promo code is the word cake. So when you ring up or go online, just say cake to get $5 off. Now, I can already hear the rest of you who don't live in Sydney um, exploding with rage because I haven't included you. Well, the next biggest uh, group of people that listen to this show, I know this from the statistics for the podcast, are people in Melbourne. So what I'm going to do for people in Melbourne is Friday Barnes 11 is going to come out right at the beginning of February in 2023. So I'm going to do the official book launch for that book in Melbourne at the Victorian State Library on the 28th of January. Tickets will not go on sale for that for until December, until after the Christmas show is over. But I'm just letting you know I will be coming down to do a live performance that you can buy tickets and come along to and meet me and get me to sign your things. So they're the two Um, main audiences that this podcast reaches. I know there are so many of you throughout the rest of Australia and the rest of the world. This is sort of a test run for me doing these theatre shows. I really, really want to do more of them next year. I've got to figure out how to do it. Obviously, COVID threw everything into chaos for two years. I've been wanting to do this forever since I started. So now I'm finally going to stage a couple. And when I figure out how it all works, hopefully next year, I'll be able to take it to some other places like Brisbane and Perth and maybe eventually even overseas. So I'm sorry if I can't get to you this year, but if you are in those two cities, I'd love it if you could come along to those events, particularly the Christmas one in Sydney. Tickets, you can buy them now through the Glen Street Theatre website and Melbourne, Hang on, I'm definitely coming to you. The tickets will go on sale in December. All right, I've covered all of that. Let's get into today's story. So I'm still reading The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and now I'm up to Chapter 15, In the Office, again. April was 100% unrepentant as she sat in Mr Lang's office facing him across the desk. 
It was actually impressive how much dignity she could assume as she sat there holding a blood-stained tissue to her nose. This is grounds for expulsion, said Mr Lang. April knew he was serious because he spoke so softly. Authority figures save their calmest voices for when they feel least calm. This is twice now that you have attacked a disabled student. No, not disabled, differently abled, said April. And I think it's prejudiced of you to categorise him by his differability. His name is Tom. I didn't attack a disabled boy. She used her fingers to make air quotation marks as she said this. I attacked Tom. I don't have anything against disabled people. I've got something against Tom. He's a nasty little... Enough! shouted Mr Lang, slamming both palms on his desk. He took another deep breath to calm himself. It's the pressure of being acting interim mayor, isn't it, said April. You can't handle it. When you're just the guidance counsellor, you're always so calm and reasonable, but you've really started losing it since you've become acting mayor. Mr Lang did not respond. He had pursed his lips as if he didn't trust himself to speak. April continued, waving her bloody tissue about as she spoke. It's not your fault. It's the education system. It's practically a sheltered workshop. It doesn't prepare teachers for real life. I said... Enough, said Mr Lang, although less loudly this time and with more of a pleading tone. I don't want to expel you. Do you have any idea how bad that would look for the school? But you're giving me no choice. Come on, said April. We both know you're not going to expel me. Guidance counsellors and principals have been threatening to expel me for years, but they never actually do it. I'm smart. I get high test results. I turn up every day. If it weren't for my personality, I'd be a model student. No, said Mr Lang. This is different. You've gone too far. You can't assault a disabled boy. Tom. I assaulted Tom, April corrected. You can't assault anyone, exclaimed Mr Lang. Actually, said April, a lot of contemporary educationalist theorists are coming around to the idea that children should be left alone to experience risk, lead active lifestyles and problem solve on our own. I can't let you assault disabled students, said Mr Lang. Why not if it's character building, asked April. Because it is illegal, said Mr Lang. No, it's educational, argued April. It teaches me to let out my emotions and it teaches him not to be so rude. We don't want you to let out your emotions, said Mr Lang. You do that too much already. We want you to try keeping some of them in. Can't you just let me go back to class and pretend this never happened, asked April. No one got hurt. You're dripping blood on my carpet right now, said Mr Lang. Okay, no one got hurt except me, said April, clamping the tissue back over her nose. Mr Lang shook his head sadly. The fact that you can't see how egregious your behaviour is, is part of the problem. April scowled. Why are you using your 50 cent words on me? Egregious. It just means terrible. You're just trying to create jargon fog to confuse me. Mr Lang had turned away to open a drawer of his filing cabinet. No one is trying to persecute you, said Mr Lang. No one is trying to do anything to you except perhaps educate you. Nah, no one's done any of that since I got here, said April. But my first priority has to be the safety of the students at this school, said Mr Lang. He turned to April and laid a form in front of her on the desk. What's that? asked April. Document 46C, said Mr Lang. Expulsion certificate. 
April didn't have anything clever to say in response to that. She was too busy remembering how Professor Maynard had specifically instructed them to blend in and not cause trouble. She was pretty sure this would count as trouble. April got a sickening sense that this expulsion could have severe ramifications for her whole family. They might have to move again. Just then, there was a knock at the door. Not now, snapped Mr Lang. But whoever was on the other side of the door pushed it open anyway. I said not now, barked Mr Lang. The red ball tip of a white cane poked through the open door and tapped tentatively side to side as Tom entered the room. Oh, Tom, exclaimed Mr Lang, jumping to his feet. I'm so sorry. I didn't realise it was you. Come in, come in. I mean, actually, that's not a good idea. I'm in the middle of a meeting. Perhaps we could talk later? You don't need to suck up to Tom, said April. You wouldn't suck up to any of the other students. I'm not sucking up, said Mr Lang. I'm being compassionate. You should try it. Bah, said April. You wouldn't be compassionate to other students either. I'm being a guidance counsellor, said Mr Lang. Being compassionate is part of my job. He'll never learn to adapt to normal life if everyone fawns all over him, said April. It's just consideration, said Mr Lang. Exactly, said April. No one in real life is considerate. It's a dog-eat-dog world, which just makes me angry because dogs are so much better than people. I'm sorry to interrupt, said Tom politely, but I think I might be able to help you, Mr Lang. You do, said Mr Lang. There, you see, Tom knows how to be considerate. I don't believe it, said April. It's probably a trick. I know you must be discussing how you intend to punish April for her violent attack on me, said Tom. He looked worn and pitiful as he said this. Yes, are you all right, asked Mr Lang. Have you quite recovered? He's fine, said April. I'm the one with a bleeding nose. He's got finger-shaped bruises on his neck, Mr Lang snapped back. You can't prove that was me, said April. Anyone could have done that. He is really annoying. Mr Lang shook his head. Expulsion is not a thing we consider lightly, but your total lack of repentance is leaving me with little choice. Sir, said Tom, please don't expel her. This caught April's attention. Why would Tom stick up for her? You'd only be giving her what she wants, said Tom. She'd love to hang around at home all day. It wouldn't be a punishment. April rolled her eyes and glared out the window. But Mr Lang was intrigued. She'll never learn to empathise with the vision-impaired community that way, said Tom. What are you suggesting, asked Mr Lang. Yeah, what are you suggesting, asked April suspiciously. Tom shrugged his school bag off his back and pulled out a crumpled piece of paper. I entered the mud run, he said, but my entry was knocked back because of my disability. They say I can only go in the race if I have a guide. What? said April. Oh, yes, said Mr Lang. I've seen blind, I mean, vision impaired people running in marathons. They have a guide tethered to them with a strap around their wrists so they can stay on track. Exactly, said Tom. I thought it would be an excellent way to teach April about the struggles of vision impaired people if she were to act as my guide. No way, cried April. You want me to be tethered to you for the entire race? And all the training, said Tom. I won't do it, announced April. What a brilliant idea, said Mr Lang, relieved that he had a loophole so he wouldn't have to expel her. Now he wouldn't have to do all that horrible paperwork after all. He might even have time to have a nice cup of tea from the staff room before the next period. I refuse, said April. No, 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 no. It's perfect, said Mr Lang. It's a punishment and a learning opportunity. Why must teachers see all dreadful things as learning opportunities, wailed April. She just has to fill in her details on this form and I can resubmit my entry, said Tom, handing the scrunched up sheet of paper to April. April looked at the paper. 
She so wanted to tear it into a thousand pieces and throw it in Tom's face. But what choice did she have? Even April, with all her hot temper, knew she had to avoid getting expelled if it was at all possible. This was her only way out. She scowled at Tom, which was, of course, entirely wasted on him. The worst thing about agreeing to be his guide would be his smug satisfaction at getting one up on her. It just wasn't fair when he was the one who'd been wrong in the first place. But life was not fair. April knew that. She reached out and took the sheet of paper. Mr Lang picked up a pen and stretched across his desk to hand it to her. April looked down at the page. Hey, this isn't a form. It's last night's maths homework. Oh, sorry, said Tom. I thought it was that piece of paper. He started rummaging through his bag. Give it to me, you big nincompoop, said April. She reached in, fished out the form and thrust the bag back into Tom's arms. I guess this is how it's going to be for the next four weeks. Me having to do everything for you. Yes, said Tom. Mr Lang didn't notice because he was too busy putting away the 46C form, but April caught the hint of smug grin about Tom's face. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye.